Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazinga. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. This message today concerns churches across the United States who have misunderstood the government's attempts to limit church involvement in the politics of our nation. He discusses the Johnson Amendment to the IRS tax code and its impact on churches' tax-exempt status as a 501c3 organization. It may not mean what you think it does. There is so much misunderstanding about this that many churches have remained silent about important issues facing our nation and the world, like abortion, liberty, war, guns, violence, and many more. This message is a bit shorter than usual today. If you find this helpful, please share this with your pastor and with your Christian friends. Let's listen in as Pastor Todd explains. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information about Pastor Todd's new book. Hey guys, Pastor Todd here with Revive Church in Stewart, Florida. I wanna take a few minutes today to talk about pastors, politics, and the 501c3. I think this thing has created a lot of confusion and I think a lot of pastors are holding back because they're worried about what it means if they begin to talk about candidates and politics and whatnot in their church. So specifically, this video is just to talk about where do we stand with the 501c3, the Johnson Amendment generated 501c3 tax exempt status. But what I wanna start with is the First Amendment of the Constitution. The Constitution has authority in our land, and here's what the Constitution says. The very First Amendment written says, Congress shall make no law respecting the an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for the redress of grievances. What did that just say for churches, Congress shall make no law regarding religion or the freedom of speech. In other words, it's an impossibility under the Constitution for them to make a law about the establishment of our religion, about the freedom of our speech in our religious exercises. So that's that's kind of a governing statement to start this conversation with because it's very clear. But if that's in place, Why did the Johnson Amendment come about and how did it create this 501c3 tax-exempt status that then in turn makes us feel like we cannot talk about politics in every way? Uh, This thing called the Johnson Amendment was derived in 1954 by Lyndon Baines Johnson. And just to be honest with you, you can go look at the politics of it. He didn't want to quiet the church when it came to supporting candidates. Uh, He didn't want them uh, 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 lobbying for candidates that he didn't approve of. And so he used this to say, okay, I will give you a tax-exempt status if you will agree not to campaign, not to lobby, not to intervene in elections. If you'll just step back from doing that, then you'll have a tax-exempt status. Now, the way that played out in churches today is we kind of took it and ran with it. We made it bigger than it actually is. Uh, We decided you cannot, as a pastor, tell your congregation who to vote for. We decided that we cannot campaign for any candidate 
candidates as a church, as a church gathering. We can't get together and say, hey, we want this person elected. Uh, we decided that we could not even talk about politics in church. Now, I want you to know today, I'm not talking about whether or not the church has a role in government. I think government rests on Jesus' shoulder, and so every government is under his authority, and it can be illegitimate or it can be legitimate governments depending on whether or not it falls under Christ. But today I want to talk specifically about this 501c3 status in the Johnson Amendment. That thing was put in place 68 years ago. 68 years ago. So let's take a look at that thing and see what it said and what it meant and what we're to do with it today. Here's some of the guidelines out of that IRS document for the 501c3. And listen, I'm reading directly out of the IRS document. It says, an IRS section 501c3 organization may engage in some lobbying, but too much lobbying activity risks the loss of tax-exempt status. Now, just from the very get-go, is that vague or what? You may do some lobbying, but too much puts you at risk. So go into the document and look at how they define what is too much. If you look at the document, one of the measurements of too much is called expenditure test. What is the expenditure test? The expenditure test says that you spent more than $1 million supporting a candidate. That's a test to say that's too much. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of churches out there that are putting a million dollars into a candidacy or into an election. But that's one of their tests on whether or not you've done too much. Now, here's, a, here's another interesting quote from that 501c3 document. This is right, a quote out of the IRS document. The political campaign activity prohibition isn't intended to restrict free expression on political matters by leaders of churches or religious organizations speaking for themselves. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. As individuals, nor as leaders prohibited from speaking about important issues in public policy. What is he saying? That the document says that pastors can speak for themselves on political candidates and on political issues. But did you notice it also said religious organizations can speak for themselves? I understand how a pastor can speak for himself. As an individual, I can be at the grocery store and I can tell somebody, I think you should vote for this person. I'm speaking individually, but not as a pastor of the church. But I want you to explain to me, how does a religious organization speak for itself? How does a church speak for itself and say, we think you should vote for this person? There's a vagueness here that we've got to be able to deal with. Now, to be clear, the 501c3 defines that religious leaders cannot uh, we're talking pastors mostly, cannot campaign or tell people at church functions who to vote for. In other words, the 501c3 religious leaders cannot intervene in the election in front of their churches. But how many of you remember that Vice President Kamala Harris created a video to tell people who to vote for and then asked for it to be played in churches in Georgia. 
going directly into a church gathering and the vice president telling people, this is who I want you to vote for. So let's get this straight. The vice president can tell the people in churches who to vote for and to vote for her party's candidate, but the pastor of that church cannot. Now wait, let me go a little bit further on that. If the vice president can tell the congregation who to vote for because she's not the pastor, does that mean anyone else in the church who is not the pastor can tell the church who to vote for? Can the pastor's wife tell the church who to vote for? Can an elder in the church tell the church who to vote for? Can someone in the congregation get up and tell the church who to vote for? Uh, Listen to me. I think if the pastor is allowing the video from the vice president to be played in the church to tell the church who to vote for, then that pastor is telling his church who. He's just using the video of the vice president to do it. So I don't want to play games here. Uh, We're getting into this area where I believe part of the reason the vice president felt the freedom to do that is because of something I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. So how does the 501c3 actually restrict us today? There's been a change in that 68 year period. Something happened recently that changed the whole ball game. And that was in May of 2017. Then President of the United States, Donald Trump, wrote an executive order concerning the 501c3. Most people don't even know about it. You can look it up. It is Executive Order 13798. Please, pastors, look it up. Read that executive order. You're going to find out that you have freedom that you didn't know you have. Most people don't even know this is in place. And listen, the current president did not rescind it. He did not take that executive order out of play, so it is still in play. And I'm going to read you directly from that executive order. I want you to hear what is currently legally in place. Listen, it shall be the policy of the executive branch to vigorously enforce federal law's robust protection for religious freedom. The founders envisioned a nation in which religious voices and views were integral part to the vibrant public square and in which religious people and institutions were free to practice their faith without fear of discrimination or retaliation by the federal government. For that reason, the United States Constitution enshrines, protects the fundamental right to religious liberty as America's first Freedom. He's talking about the First Amendment. Federal law protects the freedom of Americans and their organizations to exercise religion and participate fully in the civic life without undue interference by the federal government. The executive branch will honor and enforce those protections. That was the lead in line of this executive order. Now we're going to get down to what exactly this executive order does as it addresses the 501 c Respecting religious and political speech, all executive departments and agencies shall, to the greatest extent practical and to the extent permitted by law, respect and protect the freedom of persons and organizations to engage in religious and political speech. Watch. In particular, the Secretary of the Treasury shall ensure to the extent permitted by law, that the Department of the Treasury does not take adverse 
action. I want you to remember those words, adverse action, against any individual, house of worship, or other religious organization on the basis that such individual organization speaks or has spoken about moral or political issues from a religious perspective where speech of similar character has consistent with law not ordinarily been treated as participation or intervention in political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to a candidate for political office by the Department of Treasury. I don't know if you're hearing what this is saying, but it directly addresses whether or not we can intervene in an election. I'll show you what I mean by that. If you go back to the IRS document, it says under the IRS code, all Section 501c3 organizations are absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of the or in opposition to any candidate for elected public office. I don't know if you saw it, but the executive off, uh, the executive order reversed, reversed the Johnson Amendment 501c3 document using the exact words. It said you can't intervene. The executive order said you cannot be punished for intervening. Now watch what the executive order did for you as a pastor. This is my main point today. I want you to hear this pastors when it comes to talking politics or talking about political candidates in your church. The EO said that the Department of Treasury does not take any adverse action. You remember me saying that? Now watch this. As used in this section, I'm reading out of the executive order. As used in this section, the term adverse action means the imposition of any tax or tax penalty, the delay or denial of tax-exempt status, the disallowance of tax deductions for contributions made to entities exempted from taxation under the 501c3 of Title 26 United States Code, or any other action that makes unavailable or denies any tax deduction, exemption, credit, or benefit. What that just said is you can intervene in an election. You can talk about political issues. You can talk about candidates, and the IRS uh, Treasury Department cannot take any adverse action against you. They cannot take your tax-exempt status away. This is critical, church. This is where we're for years. We have sat back and said, oh, because of the 501c3, which, by the way, only gave you the benefit for tax-exempt things to happen out of state. In state, you didn't even need the 501c3. But because you have it, you're saying, oh, we can't talk politics. We can't talk candidates. And the executive order said, yes, you can. And the Department of Treasury cannot come against you. I don't know if you're hearing this, but it allows the church total legal now backing to use this document to say, if I stand up like the vice president did in a church and say, this is who I think you should vote for, the Department of Treasury cannot take away your tax-exempt status. This is critical. It's critical. And, and to remind you, uh, we talk about this thing called uh, separation of church and state. Please go back and research that. When Thomas Jefferson said that, he was talking to the Bradbury Baptist Church, and what he was saying was, we are going to set a system in place that keeps the government 
out of the church like we had in England. We don't want that anymore, so we're going to make sure they're separated from the church. He was not saying that the church shouldn't be involved in politics. He was not saying the church shouldn't be involved in government. He was saying not, not saying that the church should stay separate from government. He was saying we're not going to let that government get back in here and run our churches like it happened in England. So let me wrap up with this. The 501c3 is not in your way. It is not any threat to your tax-exempt status. But we shouldn't be worried about tax-exempt status when we're talking about the things of God, when we're talking about our government. Listen to me. What are you afraid of? Are, are you a, a afraid that it's just been easier to stay out of politics so I don't offend anybody in my congregation, so, so those who are Democrats and those who are public, I don't lose half of the congregation because I make a stance on who? Listen to me. We got to be speaking for the things of God in our churches. We got to be saying these policies are not of God. Abortion is not of God. Transgenderism, not of God. Socialism, not of God. LGBTQ, not of God. These are things that we have to be able to stand up and say, candidates who are for things that are not of God, we need to say, no, don't vote for them. Vote for those who are enforcing the things of God. Listen to me. Bottom line is, I don't want to be here when God comes back and says, why didn't you stand up for me? Why did you give your government over to the enemy? Why is the churches, did you not rise up and say, hey, we insist that the morality of God is in our government, that the things that are written in Scripture are enforced in our life, that we will stand up and fight for the things of God in our government. Pastors, you can't sit back and be quiet anymore. That's what's led us to where we are today. It's time for you to stand up, put aside these fears, put aside these things like the 501c3 and government regulation uh, and, and the separation of church and state arguments and say, I've got to speak up for God. I cannot let this country continue on the path it's on. I hope this helps you today. Please do your research. Check these things out. God bless you. Come on, pastors. Let's get together and stand up for the things of God in our government. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Old is the New. The Old Testament is filled with stories that seem amazing on their own, but they also leave questions. If they are history and not part of the new covenant that we have with Christ today, then why do we need these stories at all? What are they there for? Could it be that those stories were recorded and saved for us because there is something they can teach us? Could it be that those stories actually help us understand God and the new covenant he has with us? Could it be that somehow those stories guide, teach, and help us understand what God has for us as new covenant believers? And finally, could there be a hidden mystery in these stories that actually give us revelation for today? This new book will be available in the next couple of weeks on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice? That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.